Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. Welcome back to the Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. I've got a special guest today, Eric Hatch. Eric, what's going on? Oh my gosh, good to be here. It's a beautiful day in the Fargo neighborhood I find myself in. What is the Fargo neighborhood? Where are you out of? Fargo, North Dakota. Somebody has to be, so I chose to be the guy. Uh, yeah. it, it, spring is upon us as we record this, and so it's like a balmy 43 degrees outside. Everybody's in Speedos walking around just enjoying this wonderful weather because uh, usually it's 30 below. So now that it's in the 40s, uh, everybody puts on their summer gear. Yeah. When we have people, you know, come on from all over the country and you get the places that are kind of consistent and yeah, North Dakota, I've never, I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody in North Dakota, oh, literally. There, so, there's yeah. about 750,000 of us. There's not a, t there's not a ton. And uh this, the, the metro I live in is uh, about 250,000 of it. So uh, yeah. you, you, go, you go outside of Fargo and it's farmland for hours. Yeah, good deal. Um, so, you know, obviously we talked before we got on the show a little bit about your bio, what you've done and all that good stuff. Sure. Uh, so I grew up in Fargo, born and raised. Every time I've tried to leave here, God has smacked me back into reality and said, I'm not done with you yet. And so uh, I graduated from college in 2002. Uh, I went into the ministry. Uh, I was doing youth ministry and worship leading and, and preaching and teaching and all that. And I had a, such a fire and a passion to try to help people. Uh, but I was flat broke. Tom, I had no money whatsoever. Uh, working for a nonprofit and working for a church is a fancy way to say, you got to get a second job. And so in 2006, uh, a buddy of mine who sold houses, he's like, Hatch, you're good with people. You should sell houses. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Seems like uh, an easy way to make money. And my first year, I don't mean to brag, but I sold zero houses, <laughs> uh, you know? And I realized, oh, this is a lot harder than it looks. But I, I worked on developing my chops and, and trained hard. And um, so my first year, uh, I, or my second year, excuse me, I sold 10 houses. And it's crescendoed every year since then. Uh, so I did that. I was a part-time realtor from 2006 to 2010. Uh, so I spent five years doing that. And then I went full-time in 2011. My part-time job became so lucrative and my family and I, we were going through some uh, infertility issues and trying to be parents that I needed to fund my life and fund my fatherhood. And, uh, we had run out of insurance. So the only way that we could do it was if I literally brought home so much more money. Yep. And real estate was that vehicle for it. So uh, 2011, I went into real estate full-time, sold 52 houses my first year, all from my sphere of influence. Uh, it, it helps that I'm in a small town and it helps that I had unintentionally built a really big reputation and following for years and years in my yep. ministry job. I yep. had no idea that I would ever be an entrepreneur, that I would jump into other things, but it was opportunistic to say the least. Yeah. And that's one of those things, like anybody that gets into sales, it's like, um, it's tough because like somebody like you comes in and you had a, I mean, what you just, you know, told me you had a huge fear to start mm -hmm. and you already had those relationships to start. So it's, it's tough because some people come in with none of that or very little of that. And it's like, they've got a totally kind of different journey. And it's funny because uh, a lot of times when I talk to super successful people out of the first year, 
you know, everyone looks at them and they're like, oh man, like they're so much better than me or this or that. And, and then you, I always boil it down to like, well, what's the reason they had a really good first year? There's never not a reason. Now, of course, like work ethic and that stuff, no doubt that that plays a variable, but, um, but that's still, in, you know, an incredible thing. I mean, obviously going from selling zero in your first year to, uh, to 50 full-time, you know, in the, the, the first full-time year is, is, is awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, it was all on the other side of, of something I call mind share. I think that oftentimes we try to pursue market share and we look for that low hanging fruit piece, but mind share is all about planting the seeds and staying front of mind for people for yep. who we are before what we do, right? It matters more about who we are than what we do. And that has to be everything that I, uh, that I put out there into the universe is I want people to say, Eric's a really good guy who happens to sell houses or happens to invest in houses. And I think so many people get that wrong, Tom. They're putting, hey, I sell houses. And by the way, my name's Eric. And it's, it, it's, well, it's the wrong approach as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, to kind of, you know, go off of what you just said, you know, I see so many people focusing on like, what's my logo? What, what's my, what's my brand name? And it's like, your brand is you, like you're the, you're the person. It doesn't matter what color your logo is. It doesn't matter anything. Like it has to be you. And then the second part to that is like you said, it's mind share. Like if, if people aren't thinking about you period, then they're, they're definitely not thinking about you being an agent. So yeah. there's, there's no way, you know, around it. I mean, when you talk about that, and I know you do some coaching and stuff like that, like, what would you say, and we're going to get into the investing part, but like, what's the easiest way to, to, to stay mindshare for you in 2021? Uh, believe it or not, it's social media. Uh, I believe it. We're, we're, we're restricted uh, with the interactions we can have face-to-face, -face, although we're getting more back, or we're getting uh, closer to what felt like normal uh, each day here. I think social media is everybody's best CRM and they don't treat it that way. Yep. And so, and so my Facebook page, I have 5,000 air quote friends on Facebook, Yep. but turns out I have information about their family. I have information about their hobbies. I have information about where they work. I have information about uh, the city that they live in. I have information about when their birthday is. Yep. And to treat your Facebook like a CRM, you don't, you don't need to be the most clever person on earth. You don't need to be the person that has these outrageous posts. Although I am intentional and I post one to four times a day religiously because mm -hmm. I'm so intentional about putting stuff out there. For most people that that is so fear inducing. And so the idea is you find those people and you treat it as a CRM, you label them, you categorize them. You can go to a, you can create a friend list on Facebook mm -hmm. and you can, you can label with a, a thousand different things, just like you would in a CRM. And then you can track those people. You can systemize it and you can stay in touch with them constantly. Cause the idea is you are going to be a contributor, a giver and a conversation starter more than you are just a taker yep. making people feel good. And so if you want to capture mindshare on an exceedingly high level, and if you want to be front of mind for people show up as a giver and use your social media as a CRM. So with all that being said, right, like, you know, real estate is not putting a man on the moon. We're not building, you know, crazy advanced things. Go to Eric's Facebook page and see what he's doing. So one of the, one of the best things that I think anyone can do, you see somebody successful, look at what they're doing. So he just told you, Hey, I post one to one to four times a day. I've got all this different content. Um, you don't have to obviously copy the exact postings, but. But just, you can, if you're in a different market, nobody's going to be all the wiser. True. I rip up all my stuff, Tom. True, true. That's a very good point. Mm -hmm. um, 
but but take a look at what he's doing and how he's doing it. And not everyone is gonna, you know, want to have the exact same, you know, personality as Eric. But look at look at like the the patterns of stuff. I think that he's getting on there. So besides besides just the the posting, now you said the friends list. So so what what does that look like? So let's say Tom, you and I went to college together, and we uh, we were in the same fraternity. And I know now that you're living in Fargo and you love baseball. Okay. Four yep. things about you. I can go into these friend lists and I can create tags or labels that group all these people together. So I can put you as a college friend. I can put you as a fraternity brother. I can put you as somebody who lives in my town. I can put you as somebody who loves baseball. Uh-huh. And so sure enough, when it's your birthday, I'm going to go on all those tabs. I'm going to be like, man, Tom really loves baseball. And I know he lives in Fargo. I bet I can get his address, show up and give you a Minnesota Twins hat uh, and, and wish you happy birthday, right? Most people, when it's your birthday, they maybe will put happy birthday on your wall, period. I, most people won't even do that. And it's, it's, it's forgotten about. Yeah, I, of my 5,000 air quote Facebook friends, I get 500 Facebook posts. My birthday was earlier this week. And so I watched this. I had uh, 50 text messages. I can't tell you who was one of them. I had 500 people post on my wall. I can't tell you who was one of them, but I got a lot of phone calls and I got a lot of handwritten letters. And I remember that. Yep. If somebody brought me a gift, I sure as heck am going to remember that. And so the idea is that if you want to be remarkable, look at, look at, break down the word remarkable. Being remarkable is so fantastic that people will remark about you, which is word of mouth advertising, which is exactly what I want. If I want to be remarkable, I have to do something that's exceptional and memorable. And your Facebook friends list and the labels and the tags that you put on the world's greatest CRM is opportunistic for you. Yep. And and so like one of the things that I love about it and that, you know, we, we teach and train on, you know, at our company and it's something that, you know, you, you kind of hear, you know, a lot of, a lot of brokers just talk about like, okay, you've got to call down your list or whatever and kind of start the conversation. And I, I agree with that, but what you just said, hey, send in that Minnesota Twins hat for all the effort you're going to put in trying to have a call, like almost like a fake call for somebody that doesn't really want to take your call for 10 bucks. You can niche down what you're doing with them so much that that's going to be worth 10 times more than that, like random phone call to basically be like, hey, like I'm here. Like, do you want to give me some business? Yeah, um, it, it is far better to attract business than it is to ask for business. And I want to right. live a life. That's so attractive that business finds me instead of me hunting it down. It's how, so if we fast forward, Tom, this year, we're going to sell 13 or 1400 homes as my team, mm-hmm. right? Like we did 866 last year and we are on a rocket ship uh, of success here. It's, it's the 5th of March as we record this and we have pended and closed almost 350 homes for the year so far. Yep. And the way that happens, half of our business we buy, but the other half of the business we earn because I now will have uh, next month, I'll, I'll close on our 5,000th transaction since we started our team in 2012. That's awesome. And that database right there is the most important database that I have. If I'm buying leads, uh, those are fine, well, and good. But the, my database are people who know, like, and trust me. Yep. And so I want to separate the purchased database versus the earned database and earned business tastes so much better than purchase business. Yep. And word of mouth advertising is the greatest, cheapest form of advertising. And if I want to have a really big life, I can't buy my way to the top. I got to earn it. 
No, a hundred percent. And I, the way I look at it too, like I look at it, how far down the funnel is somebody. And when you're talking about like buying a lead and, you know, buying business, like you're talking about, and I'm assuming you're referring to like a realtor or, or a Zillow or stuff like that. Right. They're at the, all the way at the, at the top of the funnel, right? Like they don't know, like, and trust you, you get a fight tooth and nail to get that business. And a lot of times you still don't even get it when you're fighting tooth and nail versus like the people that are already down at the bottom who are like, yeah, I just have to remember that you're an agent in order to still work with you. And a lot of times I think people go the opposite direction of the funnel. They're like, Hey, how can I get a new Zillow lead? They think that's going to be easier when it's actually so much harder because you have to like work to push them all the way down. Um, so with all that being said, so you, you've had, you know, massive success, you know, with, with your team and all that good stuff. At what point in all of your career did you say, Hey, you know, maybe it makes sense to, to do a little bit of investing and what are you doing on the investing side? Yeah, Tom, I grew up with one foot in the welfare bucket. Uh, I, I was a uh, trailer trash and came from a single parent home. And, uh, then when I was 21, my mom died too. So I was orphaned at 21 and, and I had no direct people in my life that were investors or entrepreneurs or even really big thinkers. I am the first person of the hash lineage to go to college. Right. Yep. Uh, and, and so I didn't ever have that exposure, but when I, when I was starting in real estate, my first year, again, I sold 52 houses. Um, I was, I was in conversations. One of my, one of my buddies was a house flipper and he was buying a couple houses a year, uh, an old high school friend of mine. And we started talking about buying uh, rental properties and we're like, Hey, we should, we should look to get some rental properties. And I was scared to death of putting that money out there. It just seemed like it was the biggest, riskiest, craziest place for me to put $10,000. Yeah. Uh, my friend Brent, my friend Nick and myself, Eric, we gathered together and we each put in $10,000 and bought a foreclosed house for 92,000 bucks. We had mm-hmm. to, uh, we had to put in a couple thousand bucks into repairs and we're like, Oh man, we're going to rent it. And then we took on property management ourselves too, which is a whole nother nightmare, but this was all 2012. I had for the first time in my life, I had some liquidity and I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't have anybody teaching me. I didn't have anybody showing me, but I had a friend who was good enough to nudge me and be like, Hey, I know you're making money now. You should be responsible with it because you don't have retirement. My wife's a teacher, right? Like we had no big cash in our lives whatsoever. And we bought that one rental property. And all of a sudden we bought it for, uh, like I said, the mid nineties and uh, we were renting it out for 1200 bucks right away. And we're like, oh, we're making some cash here. Like, this is great. It's it's slow and steady, but we said, we're going to put everything on a 15 year mortgage and we're going to keep compounding. We're not going to take any money out. We're going to just leave it in. That one rental group now has 22 single family homes. Uh, fast forward now, nine years, uh, I've been investing into homes. Uh, I own about 60 doors, uh, some large commercial, some, I have a 10 plex, a six plex, and then a couple of duplexes and triplexes. Uh, and then the rest are all single family homes. Uh, I started flipping houses about two and a half years ago. I started wholesaling houses last year. Uh, I can't get enough of it now, Tom. This is the best addictive drug I've ever been on. And I was never on drugs. So go figure. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I got in, you know, as an agent myself, I'm still, you know, a brokerage owner, still do a lot of, uh, you know, stuff related to sales, but I, I think the investing side is far more exciting. And then I love what you did. So like anytime I have anybody on and I talk about investing, somebody is always doing something that's a little bit different 
And I love that you're putting these on 15 years. Yeah. Um, because so every one of them, every one of them. So you're, yeah. you're basically, you know, my age, you're somewhere in my age range. You told me you graduated. You have way better hair than I do, Tom. How old are you? I, I do. I'm 38. So you got to be 40, right? Because I just turned, I just turned 41. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you said you graduated 2002 uh, and I was 04 for college. And, um, but either way, like I love the 15 year thing because um, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can, you can kind of do all this stuff, but what's the end goal, right? It's to get passive income. And, you know, you can, you, there's an argument to be, to be had about like, how much do you leverage? But at the end of the day, you, you started buying these properties, 15 years is going to come really, really quick. Mm-hmm. And then when those 15 years are up, now you're in great shape, right? Yeah. I, break the, I break the math down like this. Uh, we now have two kids. I mentioned that we had some infertility issues and other, my, my, my daughter's six, my son's four. So I did the math and I said, this house, if I, if I do it right, a house should appreciate in value every 20 to 25 years, or excuse me, it should double in value every 20 to 25 years. Uh, we, we see compounding interest, of course, but about 4% is what a home should appreciate. Yep. So if I bought a house at $100,000 in 20 years, it should be worth $200,000 just using simple math. And my daughter is going to graduate from high school in 12 years. So in 2033. Mm-hmm. All of the properties I've purchased, I haven't purchased any rental properties in two years unless I paid cash for them. Yep. Uh, all the properties I've purchased prior to that, those will be debt-free. Yep. They will be close to doubled in value. Yep. I'll be collecting $1,500 to $3,000 a month in rent on each of those. And my daughter can go to any school she wants on a, a fully paid tuition. Now, do I'm going to make her work. Like she's going to have to like grind her way. I don't even know if college will be a thing in 13 yep. years. Yep. Nonetheless, uh, I saw it as my, uh, as my long-term play very early on, because again, my background was in ministry. I, you don't get a great uh, retirement account, uh, at, in ministry. My wife is a teacher and you get a great retirement account with that, but you put in like 6% of your mediocre salary and, and, my mom died uh, and she was smart enough to invest in some things. Uh, when I was 21, my mom died and she was smart enough to invest in some life insurance policies, albeit small. It gave me a chance to pay off my car, pay off my college debt, and I have about $10,000 to figure out life. Yep. And that was the most amazing gift I was given because I could have been bankrupt right there. Could, yep. have, could have just been taken over. And I, I, I want to set not only my kids up for future success, but I want to set my community up for future success. And I want to set uh, those like I now uh, and, and people who are of higher net worth, people who have spent some time, it's not having a will, it's having a revocable living trust and taking those steps to make sure if, if you're somebody who has a net worth of probably two and a half million dollars or more, you need to be starting to put your stuff into a revocable living trust so that all of this stuff is figured out when you die, when you perish, and you're not leaving problems for other people. So you can leave problems, you can leave problems so easily if you don't do all the work while you're alive. If you don't buy the rental properties, if you don't invest now, if you don't set up the right wills and revocable living trust, you're leaving somebody else a headache. And I don't wish that on anybody. Let's take a quick break from the episode. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. So one of the things that kind of came through so clear with what you just said that I think is so important is when you started, you had a vision, 
And that, that vision was to have all that stuff paid off by a certain date, to have so much passive income. And that was where you, I'm assuming that's where you started, right? I mean, did you get that vision before you started or did that happen along the way? I knew I wanted to be a dad and I knew I wanted to uh, start creating passive income. I didn't have the vision of, of what I do now. My, things have gotten more clear as I've gotten more into it. And, and frankly, uh, the momentum is just starting because you can now start using cash that's already been invested and you can recycle that into more. Uh, and, and in total, I've, I've probably put in, outside of my commercial investments, I've probably put in, I don't know, three or $400,000 into investments that I have mortgages on. And those are worth... Um, the equity I have in those is probably 10 X that, mm-hmm. you know, because I just, I bought early. Uh, I had this opportunity with real estate to have first dibs on some properties. I made sure I wasn't competing with the, the strategies of my clients, but I instead would sometimes go to a listing and they'd say, yeah, I want to sell my property. And, uh, I look at it and I'm like, this could be a great rental. And I said, how about I buy it from you? And we just waive all the fees and uh, you can pick your closing dates. And so that's where I picked them up and it was an unbelievable opportunity. And now, um, the vision has changed and morphed Tom, but to your, uh, aforementioned question, um, I had a vision early on that I needed to get passive income and then it transformed into, oh my gosh, I'm creating a life for myself and my family that I never imagined. And now I I'm starting to play a, a different game and that's where I'm putting my energy now. And that's in flips and wholesales. Because my return on that, uh, I I set my nest egg first. That's the most important thing to do, I think, for investors is to find your thing that you can set it and forget it, right? Do you remember those old Ron Popeil uh, food dehydrator commercials? These were infomercials that were on when I was growing up. And yeah. he had this phrase on it that he would say, you just have to set it and forget it. Yep. And that's what I did with my first money. That's, that's rental properties. I set it and forget it. Now I'm chasing after bigger returns in a shorter period of time with much higher risk when that's flipping houses. Right. Yeah. And I think like, you know, moving up the ladder, like you're, you're always pushing towards like higher dollar per hour activities. Yep. And that that's, that's at the end of the day. And I think that to speak on the vision thing a little bit, like, I think, you know, a lot of people start out the same thing as you, where you have, you have like a, a weak vision, like you're kind of like, okay. I, I think I kind of know what I want and then it gets clearer and clearer kind of over time. And I'm sure you're not done. I'm not done with my vision. I'm still trying to, you know, figure it all out. But you knew at the end of the day, like you wanted to invest, you wanted to get passive income and you wanted to do it for your family. And those, those are big driving forces. Sometimes you don't know exactly what the strategy is, but you'll figure it out if that vision is strong enough and you're going to, you know, push towards it. So where you're at now, obviously, um, you guys are doing a ton of sales on your team and you kept it a team, not a brokerage, which we talked about uh, a little bit before. Um, where are you looking to go for the sales part and then the investing part, you know, over the next five years, like as of today? Uh, yeah. Uh, compounding questions. And, and I'm more concerned about who I'm becoming rather than what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching intently uh, my character development and my leadership capacity with other people. Real estate is but a vehicle for me in which to live the life that I'm called to live. And and my desire is to be a chapter in as many books as possible. The how of it is secondary for me. So know that at at the primary focus of what I'm doing, 
I want to uh, help develop people and create wealth in their worlds, but wealth without um, time and wealth without the right people is an unfulfilling bite. Mm-hmm. And so I, I layer all those things together as we go. Mm-hmm. For my uh, for my team ridge, for my brokerage, uh, as I said, we're gonna uh, we're on pace right now to do thirteen to fourteen hundred transactions this year. And my belief is that uh, we can get to about eighteen hundred transactions in Fargo. Yep, <clears throat> that'll give us around a sixteen to eighteen percent market share, that's and that's crazy. the largest I've seen anybody do. So that's right now, crazy, yeah. Yeah, right now we're about an eight or nine percent market share and on our way up. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm limited there. Uh, remember, I live in North Dakota, and, and although I'm drawn to expanding, and I have four expansion teams, they're all they all make sense because my marketing overlaps there, and because we have the right people. So I'll add some additional markets. Although I'm not going to add ten agents in a place, I'm going to find one key person. Remember, I'm developing them as a leader and a person of character and giving them an opportunity to do what I've done. And so we create these little leadership boot camps that give people a chance to grow big markets eventually and and to do what I've done in Fargo for them to do in their, uh, in their markets where they're familiar. Cause I don't have any clout in those markets and I don't need it. I just want to help them achieve their dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, I own a coaching company. It's Hatch Coaching. I put my name on everything, Tom. Uh, so it's Hatch Realty or Hatch Coaching, or uh, my kids are named Hatch and Hatch. It's really beautiful. Um, and as I've done this, uh, our coaching company now, we spend a lot of energy trying to influence uh, leaders and influence the real estate world. And so our, our, our purpose and mission is to redefine how people treat people. On one end of the spectrum, my partner, Robbie T, is the best lead conversion and ISA coach in the country. And he's built, oh, we're coaching people. We do lots of masterminds and networking events. Uh, but he has now built some bolt on uh, technologies in Follow Up Boss and Sierra Interactive and Ylopo. And uh, it'll certainly grow from there that are giving people amazingly conversion hacks. Um, he's modifying conversations. He's having more empathetic connection points. And that's where he's spending his time because his skill set is different than mine. I'm coaching and leading some of the top realtors and teams in the country. And that is where I'm putting all my energy is to try to uh, give them the best chance at uh, rising the tide for their ecosystem. And of course, more sales is a byproduct of that, but we want people to improve as people of character and leaders. And so my rocket ship right now is actually Hatch Coaching. We've, uh, when COVID hit, Everything changed. We 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 pivoted. We we shifted. We moved to subscription-based models for most of our stuff. We built literally hundreds of online training videos to help people be better at what they do, and so it's easily accessible and not reliant on my time being front-facing with people. And so we have uh, over 500 users in our ecosystem on a monthly basis right now, and we are just on a, a rocket ship of trajectory. The question you had asked as well was what's happening with investing and with investing, I'm putting a lot of my energy, as I mentioned previous into flipping homes and wholesaling. It actually serves as a catalyst to my real estate brokerage as well, which is one of the reasons why you opened up a real estate brokerage was because your investing was doing that. I just got into investing after you did, right? We had different horses that led us to the water, but we're now drinking the same thing. We're using both at the same time. And so now we're going to flip this year, probably 40 or 50 houses. I opened up uh, uh, my own handyman service because um, uh, I just, I'd, I'd much rather keep that stuff in house for quality control and for uh, connection pieces. Uh, and so we're offering 
offering services for our whole community, for our clients. But then of course, I'm flipping my own houses there too. Um, we're going to wholesale hopefully 20 or 30 a year. And we're trying to grow both those in a really large sort of way. So in five years, I'm hoping that we're flipping hundreds of homes a year. I'm hoping that we're wholesaling hundreds of homes a year. Um, I'm hoping that we have reached our goals for sales. Uh, but more important than anything, I want to continue to develop my character and the character of the people that I get the opportunity to influence. So talk a little bit about, uh, you know, I, we talked a little about the synergies between investing and being an agent. And um, can you speak a little bit to that? Because sometimes I hear people like, well, if I do investing, it's going to hurt my, my, my agent business. Like, what, what would you say to that? And how has that impacted you? Yeah, I, it hasn't in, in, a, in a negative sort of way. I think that that may be a, a falsification is to say that I can't play the same game that my clients are playing. If I'm working with an investor and if I'm fearful of it, why not buy it with them? You know, I remember the first houses I bought were with my guy that was flipping houses. And that's the first guy. That's the second time I've heard that. I think two out of the last three guests said that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That guy, that guy knew how to flip houses. He knew the margins. I knew how to find the, I knew how to find the places because we, we say that we have real estate companies. We're marketing and servicing companies. Mm -hmm. We just have real estate as the vehicle that we choose to go in, but we are, we're a marketing and servicing company. And so uh, I, I jumped into investing without hesitation because I didn't think that I was competing with my clients. I think that if you do have investor clients, it doesn't mean you can't compete against them. Uh, you just need to be fully transparent with them that, hey, I'm an investor too. So know that there's going to be some places I might buy. And they're not going to say, well, hell, I'm not going to work with you then. My guess is they're going to say, oh, I'm glad you know what you're doing then. Yep. Yeah, that's another, I think, key component about knowing investing is that not too many agents really, really know it super well. And like you just said, it's a value prop more than anything for those investor clients. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, getting back to the limiting belief for a second, um, you said some of your clients, you know, you're, you you partnered with some of, of your clients or one of your clients. What were you bringing to the table, like as an agent? Uh, I have some cash. Uh, I brought in 10 grand. Uh, and so I had some cash, certainly, uh, unless you're working with a wholesaler, uh, you need somebody to find the deals and you need somebody with some savvy for negotiating. You need somebody who has, um, oftentimes access to those resources that are needed, uh, in order to consummate a deal. Yep. And sure enough, that's, uh, that's what we are as realtors is we're, we're those that know how to have the savvy to hopefully find the deal or to get in before anybody else. Because at least in this current market, Tom, if you ain't first, you're last, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and you, you got to get in there right away. And of course, having access to all these properties matters a lot. Um, having market knowledge of what it's, this, this is huge. Uh, I remember Brent, uh, uh, my buddy who got me into this, um, he was always like, well, I, I can tell you exactly how much this is going to cost to flip, but I need to know exactly what is it going to sell for when we put it back on the market. Yep. And that was, that was like, okay, I can come in and I can tell you that if this is done and this is done and I can run my CMA and I can do all my work, uh, I was able to, with pretty close to pinpoint accuracy, let him know the strategy that we needed, the work that should get done. I'm now serving as an advisor saying, you don't need granite countertops on this. The laminate's going to be fine because you're only going to get this ROI yep. versus this ROI. I mean, we as realtors have a plethora of value to give in these situations. And, and, that's, and that's where I think, 
you know, most agents who think about this stuff, they take all this stuff for granted, knowing, knowing how the property should be renovated, getting access to the deal maybe before somebody else, being on top of the deal before somebody else, being able to know what the, what the comps are, like all of that stuff. I, I, I don't know the people you partnered with, but my guess is that they didn't have any of that or they had maybe just a little bit of that. Am I right? They, yeah, I mean, they, uh, they, they couldn't tell me uh, what the, the, I mean, they can find the square footage on the city website, but they couldn't yeah. tell me what homes are selling for a dollar per square foot based on the comps. And they couldn't tell me, do we, do we actually open up this kitchen and what's that going to increase the value with or, or you know, the, all, all those strategic questions. And I don't all know how stuff, people do it without an agent. All that stuff leads to mistakes, right? Like you just mentioned, a simple thing. Do we do granite in here or do we do laminate? Okay, well, that's a big money kind of decision. And the average layman, they're, they're either going to just cheap out all the time and go laminate or they're going to be like, oh, it has to be perfect. And neither of those two is the right answer, right? The right answer is, well, what's the ROI on doing what we're doing? And most people don't know because they're not in it. And somebody like yourself, I mean, I, you know, with all the houses you're selling, you, you have a pulse on your market. You know exactly what a buyer is going to be okay with, what they're not going to be okay with. You know, like, hey, this bedroom size, yeah, it's a little small, but in that neighborhood, it's okay. Or, hey, you need to have big bedrooms in that neighborhood or else you're going to get twenty or $30,000 less. Mm-hmm. So it's all that market expertise that you bring to the table as an agent that it's like, it is fair. It's fair, you know, to be partnering on that stuff and they're going to get as much value. Um, and, and sometimes agents do all this stuff for free. So you talked about like going on a listing appointment, seeing a deal and then buying it. There's all these opportunities and all these competitive advantages that agents have to invest. And it's just a matter of kind of utilizing them. Um, we had somebody in my office uh, it was literally yesterday. Um, attorney gave them a referral. The attorney said, "Hey, like you know, my client has this property under contract. Buyer's going to back out. House needs a lot of work." Right there, like my agent, and I'm not like trying to brag about this, but my agent, because they know that same opportunity, is going to take advantage of buying that property that the seller wants to sell to an investor, and my agent's ready to buy that home now, and it's a great opportunity. Whereas a lot of agents they would say, oh, how can I list that house? When that's not even the right solution for this particular client. And, they, and, and because of that, because they don't know how to use the agent you know, investor tools, they're going to make nothing instead mm-hmm. of getting into a great position. So, um, so what would you say to like, what, what do you say? You've been a team of, of a ton of people. What do you say to the people on your team that are like, someday I want to invest, but I'm scared, I can't do this. Like, how, how do you get them to, to take that leap? What do you say to them? Uh, two years ago, I started flipping houses with some of my team members who had the desire to uh, get into it, but they were a little bit gun shy. They didn't know what to identify as the right property. Um, they didn't know the trades uh, of getting the work done. And I simply said, you know what? I'm here to help you have your best life possible. And so they had to open up the LLC uh, with me as a 50% owner. Um, I did almost all the work, but we, you know, we would do weekly meetings to show here's what we're doing and here's why we're doing it. And, uh, we, I, I taught them how to invest. I have, uh, I have 53 people on my team and I'd say, um, boy, probably 12 or 13 of them are investing currently that they're buying properties and flipping them or they're doing uh, long-term rentals. Um, and so I, I jumped in two years ago and wanted to give them an opportunity to start flipping homes. 
I now, uh, I started my own uh, triple LP uh, and we are now as a conglomerate of people, I have 21 team members that are in it. We're all investing together. When I flip, when I flip a house, Tom, my numbers are this. I pay, I pay a commission on, uh, when I buy it to my company, I pay a commission when I sell it because I want to treat it. My investor dollars are different than my real estate brokerage dollars. I invited people to join in. I said, a minimum of $1,000 can get you in and you can uh, purchase as many shares as you want. And so I collected from my team members about $125,000. I put in, uh, I wanted that I wanted to re- retain at least a 70% ownership. I currently have an 80% ownership. So I put in uh, about $500,000 and together we have six uh, $625,000 that we're using to invest in flipping properties. Excellent. And, amazing. And, and so they're learning alongside me. I'm using my money, my strategy. If I lose 20 cents on the dollar of opportunity, but I keep great people around because their greatest chance to invest is with a proven investor who knows what the heck they're doing. That is a 20 cent on the dollar return. That's going to pay me droves of what they can do for my, my real estate team. Yep. For my, for my admin, I'm creating retirement opportunities because we're building this passive wealth. I can flip a house uh, on average in 120 days from the time in which I buy it until the time in which it closes again. And I should make a 15% return on that investment when I do it right. Some are bigger, some are smaller, but I gun for 15% for my return. If I can recycle that in 120 days means I can do three of those deals in a year. If I can get some of these investors a 30 or 40% return on their dollar, I have no idea why somebody would even want to go and do it on their own because they're going to say that guy has given me a golden ticket and my thousand dollars just turned into fourteen hundred dollars and all I did was allow Eric to do it. No, don't get me wrong. We have to have all that money at work all the time and it's more complicated than what I'm saying right here and it's taken a lot of lawyer fees and stuff to figure out how to do this. But I find myself now unbelievably excited at the opportunity we're creating for everyone in our ecosystem. I love it. I love it. Thank you. So, um, what, what do you, where are you finding this time again? Ha. Uh, you know what, uh, the, oh, my, my, uh, top two books that I read last year, one is called the pumpkin plan. And it talks all about giving all your time to your big pumpkins, the, those in your world that are the most producing. And so I don't spend all my time with, uh, yeah. with like the new people. I spend all my time with my top people. Yeah. So even though I have, uh, as of today, I think I have 20 businesses, and uh, a lot of people that I have the privilege of leading. I don't spend all my time with all of them. My, my other book that I read in 2020 that was one of my favorites is uh, a book called Who Not How. And it's all about having key people and empowering them before you just try to figure out the how. Mm-hmm. And those are the, those are the things that I'm doing here, Tom, in order to uh, set my life up for success. I work, but I don't know, 50 hours a week. Yeah. With 20 businesses. And, uh, selling thousands of homes and coaching dozens of people. And like my life has never been better because I have the right who's because I invest in people more than I invest in properties. I love it. Yeah. Well, I get, I get a little quote behind me. Hiring the best is your most important task. So I think, uh, you know, similar to that kind of uh, message, but um, yeah. Awesome. So how can people, if they want to learn more about you besides like I, I already quoted going on and stalking you on Facebook. How can people learn more about you or connect with you? Yeah. If you are searching for me on Facebook, it's Eric with the K E R I K H E T C H. 
Uh, go to hatchcoaching.com. It's probably the, the best way to see some of the things that we're doing to influence the, the, the world. Uh, we put 90% of our stuff out there for free on our YouTube channel and, and stuff on our website. So uh, come and get some stuff for free. But if you are looking for some really good, consistent ways to grow as a leader, as a salesperson, uh, even as an investor, we do something called Hatch Huddle. It's every Monday at uh, 10 a.m. Central Time. Uh, we spend 45 minutes, myself and my partner, Robbie T, uh, really doing kind of an interactive podcast about growth and development and moving that needle forward so you can have your best life. And that's just 99 bucks a month. And we give the first month for free uh, for people. And so come and try it for 30 days on. Check out the Hatch Huddle over at hatchcoaching.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining us. And, uh, you know, like I said, I don't know how you're, how you're doing it all, but can, congratulations on all your success. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. All right, Eric. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor, and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincamerancoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.